Welcome to Urban tonight. We're so glad you're here. Uh, we're going to conclude our series tonight on Renewed. And uh, I've been enjoying this series. Uh, I've been getting lots of comments back about this series. We started off talking about uh, having our faith renewed. Because uh, we believe that is essentially the platform of our whole entire existence, our whole entire life, that we have to have faith in God. And so we talked about that four weeks ago, February 8th, at our grand opening. And some of you are here for that. And, and having that faith and that trust and that hope that God's going to work things out. And sometimes in our journey, we need that renewed. Uh, then we begin to talk about, does anybody remember? Renewed relationships, yes. We talked about renewed relationships and how we can renew those relationships. And then last week, Katie talked about renewed vision. Well, tonight, I want to conclude this series with um, this thought of renewed dreams. Turning your Bible tonight to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And then we're going to jump over to 2 Kings chapter 4. And going to read you um, a lengthy portion of scripture out of 2 Kings 4. Um, but um, hopefully you came for the Bible and not for the beer. Okay? It's a joke. We're in a club. It's a bar. You can laugh. Okay. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Let me read it to you again, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if, now if is a small word with a really big meaning, okay? You have to get yourself in Christ. If you do that, you're a new creation. Old things, all the old stuff has passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And I'm so thankful for the new that God does in my life and in your life daily. In the Old Testament now, 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 8, and we're going to read all the way until I stop over in verse 37. It's a lot. Here we go. 2 Kings chapter 4, starting in verse 8. One day Elisha went to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived, who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. She said to her husband, Behold now, I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, table, chair, and a lamp, so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. One day he came there and turned into the chamber and rested there, and he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him, and he said, say now to her, see you have taken all this trouble for us, what is to be done for you? Would you take a word spoken on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, what then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, well, she has no son. Okay, she has no son. And her husband is old. He said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Now I want you to just kind of take note the fact that she had no son because it's going to come into play here in just a minute. And he said to her, at this season, about this uh, year, next time, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, O man of God. Do not lie to your servant. But the woman conceived, and she bore a son about that time following spring, as Elisha said it would happen. Verse 18, when the child had grown, he went out one day, and his father among the reapers, and he said to his father, Oh, my head, my head. The father said to his servant, Carry him to his mother. And when he had lifted him and brought him to his mother, the child sat on the lap until noon, and he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, and she shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may go quickly to the man of God and come back again. And he said, Why will you go to him today? It is neither new moon or Sabbath. She said, All is well. Then she saddled the donkey 
and said to her servant, Urge the animal on. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. Well, the man of God saw her coming. He said to Gehazi the servant, Look, there is the Shunammite woman. Run at once, meet her, and say to her, Is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? Is all well with the, with the child? And she answered, All is well. When she came to the mountain, the man of God, she, she caught hold of his feet. And Gehazi came to push her away. But the man said, Leave her alone, for she is bitter and distressed, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Then she said, Did I ask my Lord for a son? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? And he said to Gehazi, tie up your garment and take my staff in your hand and go. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not reply. And lay my staff on the face of the child. Then the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as yourself lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was no sound or sign of life. Therefore he returned to meet him and told him the child has not awakened. When Elijah came into the house, he saw the child lying dead on the bed. So he went up and shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and lay on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth and his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. And as he stretched himself upon him, the flesh of the child became warm. And then he got up again and walked once back and forth in the house and went up and stretched himself upon him. The child sneezed seven times. Achoo, 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 achoo. I don't know how many times that was. Then he summoned Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite woman. So he called her. And when she came to him, she picked up her son. She came and fell at his feet, bowing to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out, for he was alive. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word tonight. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that, God, you would speak to each and every person in this place. God, I pray that you would speak to us, Lord God, about our dreams and, and having our dream renewed. And God, you would show us through this scripture tonight how that might take place. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Tonight, I want to talk to you about your dream. Uh, I want to talk to you about having your, your dreams renewed. Uh, you know, as a child, when you're growing up, it seems like you have a million dreams a minute. I have a four-year-old and a six-year-old, and they never run out of dreams. It's like every day they want to do something new or be something new. Uh, my oldest daughter, Cara, she's six, year old, six years old, and the thing that she wants to do now is we took her to see Hotels for Dogs. Has anybody ever seen the movie? Okay, wait for it on DVD. Good. Hotels for Dogs, and we took her to see that, and right when we came out of that movie, man, the first thing she would say, said, Daddy, I know what I want to do when I grow up. I said, what's that? She goes, I want to find a really old building. I want to purchase it, and I want to make a hotel for dogs. I was like, that's awesome, okay? Back in Vegas, though, man, we were, we were taking the garbage out one day. It was like our little thing we would do together. We'd take the garbage out. One day she saw the garbage truck pull up, and, and all of a sudden a, a woman jumped off the back of the garbage truck, and my, my daughter's eyes lit up, and they got really big, and, and she was just staring at this garbage woman and, you know, just eloquently loading the garbage in the back of the truck and, and all this stuff, and, and she just got really big eyes. She stood there, and she stared, and the garbage truck pulled away, and she was just staring. I was like, baby, what's on? She goes, daddy, I know what I want to do. I said, what's that? She goes, I want to be a garbage woman when I grow up. <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. You can be the best garbage woman ever. When you're a kid, you don't have a lack of dreams. When you're a kid, you believe that you can do anything, be anything, become anything. And I believe that's the way God intended it to be. That God always intended us to have big dreams and to, and to hold on to those dreams and to one day fulfill those dreams. I believe that inside each and every person, there is, the Bible says there's a treasure that's hidden inside earthen vessel. And I believe that treasure is that dream that God puts inside of us the minute we're born. And, and that dream is what God wants us to lay hold of. 
But you know, it's funny because life has a way of, of, of kind of dealing us blows. Life has a way of just coming at us uh, just, just as fast as it can. And sometimes it seems to knock the dream out of you. In this economy, things are happening. And if, if someone has the dream to start a business, the way the economy is going, man, it can have a way of knocking that dream out of somebody. Somebody has a dream that, man, one day I just want to be married. And maybe that seems like a simple dream, but that's the dream of some people. I just want to be married. But all of a sudden, relational issues happen, and relational issues happen, and relational issues happen. And all of a sudden, that dream gets knocked out of you. Life has a way of knocking the dream out of you. So all of a sudden, now when you get older, you're just living a whatever life. I I need to make a paycheck. Why? Because i got to pay for the car I just bought, and i got to pay for rent, and i got to pay for this. And all of a sudden, you can get caught in this cycle of living on on what I call needs and wants. You live for a need. What's a need? Well, I need food. Okay? You live for for a want. I I want a new car. And then three months later, I want a new car. (laughs) And then three months later, I want a new car. Okay? Or maybe three years, but... Or maybe it's that house. You know, you get a house, but all Americans, they always want a bigger house. And then a few years later, they want a bigger house. And then all the kids leave, and it's just the two of them realizing, why did we buy such a big house, you know? And we live on what we call needs and wants. I, I need food. I, I, I need that in order to live. I, I, there's things I need, but then there's also things I want. But I believe God doesn't want us to live by the needs and the wants. I, I believe God wants to live by what I call the must. There's something I must do. There's a dream inside of me that I must fulfill. If you look at the Bible in Luke chapter 2, and you read Luke chapter 2, you see that, that all the children of Israel were celebrating in Jerusalem, and then it was time to leave, and, and they left. And when they left, they caravaned together. They traveled together. And the Bible says that they were on about a three days journey, leaving Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, Joseph and Mary, the mother of Jesus, start looking around, and they're like, where is Jesus? How do you lose God? I don't know. It happens to people every day. And they're at, where's Jesus at? And they start asking amongst themselves where they can't find Jesus anywhere. And the Bible says that they go back into Jerusalem and they look for him and they look for him for several days. They look for Jesus and they can't find him, which tells me this. They're probably looking for him in the wrong places. They look for several days and they can't find Jesus anywhere. And all of a sudden the Bible says this. They go into the temple and there they find Jesus teaching the scriptures. And they go and they find him and they say, hey, what are you doing? How come you're not on the journey with us? And Jesus says these words. He says, don't you know I must be about my father's business? In other words, there was something that was driving Jesus that was more than a need. It was more than a want, but it was a must. It was a dream. It was something that inside of him that compelled him to be in that place at that moment sharing the scriptures. Are you with me tonight? I believe there is a dream, or we could put it this way, I believe there's a must inside each and every one of us, and I believe that it's that must that Jesus Christ died for, not only to, to get you out of sin, not only to take away all that stuff, I believe this with all my heart, Jesus Christ did not just die on the cross because your life was so bad, Jesus Christ died on the cross because the dream inside of you is that good. And he came not just to forgive you of your past, he came to help you fulfill your future. And I believe Jesus wants to, I believe there's something, there's a dream inside. And that dream might not have anything to do with ministry. But yet if you understand the dream that Jesus put inside of you, it has everything to do with ministry. Ministry is not what happens here on a Sunday night or some other church on a Sunday morning. Ministry is what happens throughout the week with the dream that God has given you. But your life has a a way of of, of taking that dream out, out of you. But I learned something a little while ago. I learned this principle from actually my, once again, my daughter. It's amazing how much you can learn from kids. 
And we were, we were actually living in Escondido about four or five years ago. And we had a pool in the backyard. And, and because we had the pool, we wanted to make sure our daughter learned to swim at a, a young age. And so I think she was just about two years old and we started her in swimming lessons. And, and watching a two-year-old uh, learn how to swim is one of the cutest things in the world. And we took her to this one place and she would do the, uh, uh, it was just the teacher in her, whatever that's called, just a single lesson. And one of the things they, they taught her is they taught her how to kick. That was the first thing they taught her. And, and so she would hold on to the side of the wall or the rope or whatever it was, and, and they would just have her kick, flutter her feet. But they, for a two-year-old, it's not just fun to kick your feet. And so the, the teacher helped her with a little chance. Just start saying, kicking, 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 kicking. And so there she was. And my, my, my daughter has a loud voice like me. And so she, she was feeling the whole entire place with kicking, 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 kicking. Everybody's sitting around just laughing, watching her, having a great time. And so she got this kicking thing down. Well, the next thing they had to teach her was, you know, because swimming isn't a complete thing unless you've got your arms involved too, right? And so they had to teach her the arm, arm motions as well. And so the next day was the arm motions. And so she got the kicking down, and now it's the reach and pull, okay? But once again, just reaching and pulling isn't, isn't that fun, right? And so you've got to make it a game out of the two-year-old. And so sure enough, they, they taught her this reach and pull. And so here was my daughter going around as the teacher was holding her, and she was going, reach and pull, reach and pull, reach and pull. And she was just doing that the whole entire time. Once again, I'm just thinking she's the most adorable thing in the world. Okay? So she's learning how to swim. Well, one night I was hanging out in our backyard with my daughter. I was sitting in the hot tub, and, and she comes out in her little cute little swimsuit, and she walks out there, and she's like, Daddy, I'm ready to swim. And I'm like, okay, awesome. And one of the things she would do for me is I would stand on the side of the pool, and she would count down for me, three, two, one, and then she would yell, jump, and then I'd jump in the water, and she would just start laughing. Well, I'm sitting in the hot tub at this moment, and, and she's standing on the edge, and all of a sudden she starts to do the countdown thing. Three, two, and I'm thinking to myself, baby, I'm already in the pool. You don't need to do that. You know, why, why are you counting down? And, and then she gets to one, and all of a sudden I see, oh, my God, she's going to jump. She gets three, two, one, jump, and she jumps off. She doesn't jump in the pool, but she jumps into the hot tub, and it's like one of those moments where everything goes slow motion, right? <laughs> I won't do it because it'll take too long. But everything goes into slow motion, and I see her jumping, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's two years old. What in the world is going on? And she jumps into the hot tub, and she goes in, and she's only two, and it's a pretty deep hot tub, and she goes all the way down. And I did what every good dad would do. I kicked back, and I said, I'm going to see if all the money I'm paying for those swimming lessons pays off. <laughs> That's what I did, actually. Obviously, Katie, my wife, wasn't around. I don't know if I've shared this story with her. She'd slap me. But. And so she, she gets in, and she's, she's down there, and I'm just sitting there. And I don't, honestly don't know what came over me, because obviously I, should, I probably should have grabbed her and pulled her up, but I didn't. You should try this with your children. It's pretty fun. And she sinks down, and she's like going down, and all of a sudden I see her eyes just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, kind of like, Daddy, why are you not grabbing me? And I'm just watching her. And then all of a sudden, I'm, as I'm watching her, her eyes are just like bugging out of her head, and she's looking up, and all of a sudden I see she begins to rise to the top. And she's coming up, and I'm thinking, wow, those lessons are working. And she's rising up through the water, and she's coming up, and I'm like, yes, you can do it. You can do it. Come on. She can't hear me, but. And all of a sudden, she's coming, and she's coming. All of a sudden, her little face and her little mouth pop through the, through the water, and all of a sudden, I hear, read simple, read simple. I'm kicking, I'm kicking, I'm kicking. And she's totally out of breath, and so I just grab her, and I'm like, yes, you're awesome. Let's do it again. No, I was kidding. <laughs> But I just was like, yes, it works. And can I tell you something? Something hit me at that moment. And I realized something right there at that moment that life is a lot like that. 
that you have a dream, but all of a sudden you can find yourself in the middle of your dream, and it feels like you're, you're underwater, and it feels like things are coming in on top of you, and it feels like, oh my gosh, my eyes are bugging out of my head. Am I ever going to make it out of this situation? But I learned something. If you continue to reach forward and pull that which is in front of you and put it behind you, you will eventually get to the other side of that issue, of that problem, of that circumstance. Not only that, I believe this. If you don't give up and you continue to reach and pull, if you don't give up on your dream, if you don't give up on God and you continue to reach and you continue to pull and you continue to kick, not forgetting what God put inside of you, you'll eventually get to that dream. Do you hear what I'm saying tonight? But if we allow all those things to just come upon us, now we end up drowning. But I believe that God's put enough inside of you to keep you reaching, to keep you pulling, to keep you kicking. Are you with me tonight? And I believe you will get to the dream that God is. I believe you'll get to the other side of your circumstance, your situation, your problem, whatever it is. 2 Kings chapter 4. Very quickly, let's just look at some things right here in this story about this woman that I believe apply to what we're talking about tonight. That I believe as you apply them to your life, if, if we can somehow pull them, pull them out of here and apply them to your life, that you can have that renewed dream. And as I begin to even talk about dreams, and I'm sure some of you can sit there and you can begin to think about that one thing. What is it, man, that really makes me tick? What is it that makes me want to get up? And, and what is it? And I'm pretty sure it's probably maybe not the nine to five. Although there are nine to fives that, man, this is my dream. But as I go around talking to a lot of people, I go along in, around interviewing people, just talk, what's your dream? And I, they begin to tell me their dream, and I'll be like, awesome. What are you doing right now? Well, I'm, I'm just, but are you making steps? No, not really. Now, sometimes a nine to five, maybe that could be a step towards a dream. Maybe it is the dream. But what is that one thing that you could say, man, if I was doing this, life would be absolutely amazing. Now, I'm not talking about, man, if I could just win the lotto and sit around doing nothing. Because I'm going to win it and do nothing, okay? Second Kings chapter 4. Some great principles here for us to look at tonight. First, I just, want to, I just want to draw your attention to this. that The Bible says in verse 8 that this woman was a notable or a wealthy woman. This woman had a lot of means, a lot of substance. She could do some things. And I want you to notice what she decided to do. Because if you understand the Bible, you understand that in the Old Testament, there is what we call types and shadows of the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, Elisha is actually a type and a shadow of the presence of God that's going to come through Jesus Christ. And so if you look at the Old Testament now, you understand that Elisha is not just a man, he's not just a prophet, but he's actually a, a type and a shadow of the presence of God that's going to come through Jesus in the New Testament. So in other words, this woman takes her money and says, you know what, I'm going to invest it in something valuable. I'm going to take my money and I'm going to build something for the presence of God to dwell in. The Bible says she builds a room and she fills it with these four different things, which we'll have to talk about another time, but she fills it with these objects and all of them represent something. But I want you to catch this tonight, that she actually built something for the presence of God to dwell in. What does that tell me? That tells me this, that the dream originates with God. That the very dream that's inside of you, man, you will never fulfill it outside of God. And that's why we talked about having renewed faith to start out with. Because if you have your faith renewed, I believe that you'll have that dream renewed. This woman took her, her, her wealth and she spent it, in essence, on the presence of God. As the story goes on, the, 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 the man of God is so blessed by what she does that he comes and he says, man, I want to do something for you. What is it that, that I should do for you? Now listen to this tonight. She actually had no son. 
Her one desire, if you understand the scripture, was actually to have a child. But she doesn't voice that. She hides that. Why is it that we hide what we really want? Why is it that we hide the dream? Why is it that we hide that inside ourselves? There's many reasons why, but I believe a couple of them are we're afraid to voice it because of a fear that we might fail and never achieve it. And so rather than really saying what we want to do, we say maybe a, a version of what we want to do because, well, I can probably obtain that. Rather than saying, this is what God put in my heart. Because if it's really what God put in your heart, it's going to take God to get you there. This woman hid it. She didn't say why. Maybe, maybe because of fear of not being able to have it. Or, or maybe because life now had taken its toll on her and she thought, you know, I'm never going to get there. She never, she never voices her dream. But I believe every dream begins with God. The Bible says in Psalm 37, 4, to delight yourself in him and he will give you the very desires of your heart. The story goes on and so we see that the child is born, so the dream comes. The dream is there, but if you read on in the story, you see that when the child grew, probably about 14 years old, the child dies. Somewhere at 13 or 14, which tells me this. That a lot of our dreams as we're growing up, the longer we live life, those dreams begin to die. Are you with me tonight? But I believe God wants to renew your dream. Let's look at it very quickly. The process of renewing the dream. This woman finally had the dream given to her. It's a child, but then the child dies. This dream now has to be renewed. How does the dream get renewed? And I want to look at the story very quickly. The process of renewing the dream. The process of God working inside of you and renewing your dream. Number one, if you're a note taker... If not, just take a mental note. Number one, how does the dream get renewed? Number one, go back to the beginning. Go back to the beginning. The first thing this woman does, if you read the story, she takes the boy, lays the boy on her lap, and the, the boy did not get any better. But the Bible says that the boy laid in her lap until noon, and then the boy died. Which tells me this, that whatever birthed the dream will maintain the dream. This boy was not birthed out of her ability. This, this, this boy was birthed out of a miracle or out of the presence of God. And that's how this boy was birthed. But yet she tried to maintain it. She tried to console the child. She tried to work with the child on her lap. And then the Bible says, beget the child died. Which tells me this, you've got to take the dream back to the beginning. Because the very next thing she does after the dream is dead, look at it. She takes the boy up to where the man of God or the presence of God was and lays the boy, are you with me tonight, on the bed. In other words, that tells me this, that you and I, when the dream has seemingly died, when life has dealt its blows and it's never going to happen, it's never going to work out, but all of a sudden God begins to speak or someone begins to talk to you and that dream is reactivated inside of you. Wait a second, how can I get that? I've got to take the dream back to the beginning. I've got to take the dream back to God. And so she took the boy upstairs. And in essence, she wasn't going after the dream, but she was going after the dream giver. Are you with me tonight? When the dream inside of you begins, don't, don't go after the dream. You've got to go after God. He's the one that put that thing inside of you. He's the one that can help you maintain it. He's the one that can cause it to grow. You've got to go back to the beginning. You've got to go back to basics. You better go back to the word. You better go back to prayer. You, are you with me? Can I tell you something? Having a church or being a lead pastor in a church has been a dream since I was six years old. I was sitting on my bed after one of, my, one of the services my dad spoke at. My dad was a pastor, and I was sitting on my bed 
after the service, and I had my little blue Bible, and I had a red marker, and I was just actually drawing up and down the column breaks, not even know what I was doing, but at the age of six, I thought I was highlighting my Bible. My mom walks in, and she sees me. She's like, Ben, what are you doing? I said, I'm highlighting my Bible. She goes, well, why are you doing that? And I said these words, because I want to be a pastor just like my dad. Now, from six to 35, can I just tell you the dream got killed many times. The dream got covered up many times. And I had to walk through this, and I had to learn this, and I've discovered something. This dream is not going to come to pass just because I mailed out 75,000 flyers. Some of you here, because of those, we've had people come because... Those dreams are, are going to come to pass just because we threw up some really cool billboards. Anybody see them? They're really cool. See, none of you saw them. Great. Jerks. Just kidding. The dream isn't going to come to pass just because we threw up two A-frame signs out there. Hey, church in here! Everybody wants to come. Look how cool our sign is. This, I've got to go back to basics. I've got to pray. I've got to trust God. Are you with me tonight? This isn't just because I'm a pastor. I've got to do that. No matter what the dream is inside of you, you better go back to the beginning, the basics, and say, okay, God, how's this thing going to come to pass? You've got to go back to the beginning. Number two. Number two, you've got to plan accordingly. Plan accordingly. There's this old saying in my locker room back in high school. Yes, I can remember that far back. Actually, it wasn't in the locker room. Okay, my memory is going. <laughs> it was actually in the weight room. You lift weights, can't you tell? Okay. It was in the weight room. And it said this. It said, most people do not succeed, not because they aim too high, but because they aim at nothing. Most people don't succeed, not because they aim too high, but because they aim at absolutely nothing. I believe this. I believe that after you've gone back to the beginning, you've gone to God, you've got to begin to make some plans. The Bible says that man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. You've got to plan in order for God to have something to direct. Are you with me? Now look at this. This woman, she went back to the beginning, rushed up, laid the boy on the bed, but then she didn't stop there. She had a plan. She said, I'm going back to the guy that promised me this thing. And she goes up, lays it, and she goes says to her husband, Hey, hubby, I need a servant. Why? We're going to go to the man of God. Well, why are you going there? Okay? Because I got a plan. But shouldn't you be planning a funeral or something? Our son just died. No, but I, I've, got a, I've got a plan. And just, you know, are you with me tonight? The man is planning a funeral, but yet she's, wait, hold on a second. I, I want to renew this dream. There are enough people planning for a funeral for your dream out there. You've got to begin to make plans that your dream would be resurrected. What do you mean by that, man? There are people, man, this is my dream, and people will say, oh, that's, that's, that's kind of stupid. And usually those are well-meaning people in your life. A lot of times those are, those are our father figures, mother figures, aunts, uncles, best friends, pastors. I don't really think God really wants to do that. Really? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. You know the reason why most pastors say that? It's because they're afraid of you leaving. <laughs> no, no, God doesn't want that for you. You're not supposed to be a missionary. I think what God's really speaking is you're supposed to be a missionary at your job place and then bring all those people to my church. There's enough people out there trying to kill your dream. You've got to begin to make plans to go after your dream. The guy was planning a funeral because he's thinking like all guys think. But women know how to birth things. Ask my wife. Two kids. 
And she says, hold on a second, I've got a plan, and I'm going to begin to go after it. And so she begins to get it. I need a servant, I need a donkey, and we're going to find out where the man of God is at, and we're going to go after the man of God. She began to lay out a plan, and she began to go after it. Look at verse 52. What does it say? Then she called to her husband and said, send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may go quickly to go to the man of God. She had a plan. I've got a plan of attack. You need to begin to plan out what it is that your dream is. Look at your dream. Begin to plan. How am I going to get there? I've taken it back to God. Now, I've gone back to the beginning, but how am I going to get there? How is it going to be renewed? Listen to this. All successful people are big dreamers. They imagine what their future could be, ideal in every aspect, and then they work every day toward their dream. Are you working toward a dream? Are you not work, Are you working toward the God dream? Are you with me tonight? Number three. The process of renewing your dream. Number three. Guard your words. Guard your words. The Bible says this in Proverbs eighteen twenty one that death and life are in the power of the uh, tongue. Death and life. In other words, the words that I speak, they either bring life or they bring death. So when I speak something, am I speaking life over myself? Am I speaking life over my dream? Am I saying this is going to happen? There is going to be enough money to fulfill it. There are going to be enough people that that come and surround and help me get there. And you begin to speak life. And if you begin to speak life, listen to me. I believe this with all my heart because if you look at Jeremiah chapter 1, if you look at Jeremiah chapter 1, and we don't have time to go there tonight, but the Lord appears to Jeremiah and looks at Jeremiah and he shows him this, this olive branch. And this stuff happening with the olive branch. You can just jot it down and read it later. And the angel of the Lord turns to Jeremiah and says, Jeremiah, what, what do you see? And he says, well, God, I see an olive branch. The very next words out of God's mouth are, you have seen well. Now that you've seen it and you've spoken it, I'm going to perform it. It's one thing to see the dream. It's another thing to speak life over the dream and continue to speak life over that dream until you fulfill it. Listen to what the woman did. Number one, she went back to the beginning. Number two, she planned. I'm going to have a resurrection. I'm going to the man of God. Number three, look at what she did. Verse 23. And he said, why will you go to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, all is well. Was all well? No, her dream just died. Her boy just died. All wasn't well. She could have sat there and she could have complained and she could have been, well, let me tell you what's wrong. <laughs> My boy went out in the field with you and you killed him. That's what's wrong. But she didn't do that. She just said, hey, all is well. Don't need to talk about it. Now listen to me tonight. Okay, catch this. I know God's trying to show us something. For a woman not to say anything, I probably shouldn't have said that because it looks like there's more women, men in here tonight. But I said it. I mean, are you with me? For a woman not to say anything. Okay? And that's not a knock on women. Okay? Because without women, we'd just be like, hey. Duh. You know? We need women to spark some creativity in us. But she, did, she didn't say anything. She just, she just like, no, everything's good. God's trying to show us something. But it doesn't stop there. She goes on further. And Elisha tries to send a servant up there. Hey, find out what's wrong. Servant comes up. She's like, oh, no, it's all good. She's had two chances to talk. This is an absolute miracle, ladies and gentlemen. I live with three women. Let me clarify. 
I have my wife and I have my two daughters. Just want to clarify. Oh, this is that type of a church, huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> Married to one woman, 12 years, this August, and have two daughters. And we have a female dog, so four women. Okay. There is no shortage of words in our house. We pick our daughters up from school, and it's just like chatter fest until 7 o'clock when they go to bed. It's awesome. I love it because I like to talk too. But it's a miracle. The woman says nothing. What's God trying to show us? God's trying to say, look, death and life is in the power of your tongue. You can choose. To, well, let me tell you what's wrong. Man, the economy, number one. I mean, my house is going down in value. And then, you know, there's this guy that's trying to start a church, and he keeps inviting me, telling me to come. Just kidding. That's me. Let me tell you what's wrong. You could, you could go down the list and think of all the negatives. But everybody who knows the negatives, begin to speak life over your dream. Are you with me tonight? Begin to encourage yourself. You know why the Psalms and the Proverbs, if you read Psalms, Psalms is such a great book because here it is and you read it and it's like, man, David's about to die. Man, it's over for David. Oh my gosh, David, you're going down. But then he, ah, he rejoices. And he begins to speak life over his situation. But God is good. And then all of a sudden you see it works out good for David. You've got to begin to speak life over your circumstance, life over your dream. Death and life is in the power of your tongue. What are you speaking? Lastly, and we'll finish here. Number four, do not settle for lifeless counterfeits. Do not settle for lifeless counterfeits. I believe this with all my heart. I believe this, that once you lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of you, once you have that dream, once you've laid hold of it, man, my faith has been renewed. Man, I've, I've renewed some things, and now, now I have the dream, and man, the dream is renewed. Man, once you've laid hold of that, life is so awesome. It's joyful. Why? Because the Bible says, in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. I'm laying hold of that for which Christ Jesus... Man, do not settle for lifeless counterfeits. What do we mean by that? Look what happens. The Bible says that, that Elisha said, Hey, Gehazi, his servant, I want you to take my stick, and I want you to run ahead, and I want you to go ahead and place it on the boy. But look what the woman does in verse 30. She says this, Then the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. You're the one that promised me the dream. You're the one that gave me the dream. You're the only one that can bring the dream back to me. In other words, don't settle for that which does not create life. And there's only one that can create life, and that's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. But too many times, not just when it comes to relationship with God, but even, even in relationship with our dream. Too many times we settle for a counterfeit. Well, this is kind of what I wanted. This is kind of what God created me for. This is kind of what I'm supposed to do. And it might bring life for a little while, but it's a counterfeit. And in the end, you'll still fill a void. Because Jesus Christ has laid hold of you for a purpose. And the Bible says, and Paul wrote it so eloquently, I want to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. I believe the dream can be renewed, number one, as we go back to the beginning, as we plan accordingly and make plans. Number three, as we guard our words, death and life are in the power of our tongue. 
and don't settle for lifeless counterfeits. She didn't settle for the stick. She didn't go after the dream. She went after the dream giver. God, we thank you for your word tonight. God, we thank you that your word, once again, is alive. God, it's living. God, it's active. God, it's magnificent. And God, it's speaking to us tonight. 